Um, there we go. Oh, excellent. I, I think there's a possibility that we are live. Everyone, hello. Welcome welcome to, 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 to the show, everyone. Uh, in the chat already, we've got some friends joining us, some familiar faces. Um, oh, it, right. So I've got to, once again, a bit like a few weeks ago when I was, uh, it was a mad panic and I had to run away uh, to get a train. It's the same again tonight. So we have a, we're going to have a, a rail natter that is the length that it's supposed to be at. Um which which is uh, which is going to be a fun challenge because Alexandra, who is joining us, hello Alexandra, hello, um, hi, hi uh, has sent us an amazing selection of images, and there's going to be oh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I I got these through um, and was so pleased to because there are some serious court, also some very fun high res publicity imagery. Oh, it's just it's good stuff. I'm I'm very excited by this, um, and so. Actually, without I can start it. There's no, there's no um, pandemic traces. There's no news. We're skipping those. We'll save them up for next week. Um, it's, uh, it's. We're going to get cracking. So we're talking tonight about goofy American gadget bands from the um, from the 1970s. Actually, I, I put from the 1970s uh, and, and realized actually there are probably quite a few that aren't from the 1970s. But I think actually most of these are kind of from the 1970s, right? Yeah. So it's. I think a lot of them are associated with the 70s, but really the 70s are kind of like the dying gas for a lot of these. They're <laughs> yeah. more like a product of like 60s, like futurism yeah. and yeah. the money dried up in the 70s. Ouch. Yeah, that that that'll happen. Um, so, uh, no, this YouTube video is not a gadget ban, David Shepard. Um, the, the, if you do, if for anyone watching who doesn't know what a gadget ban is, um, I can strongly recommend going and watching my video that I did about gadget bans absolutely ages ago when I was like a hopeful new YouTuber thinking I was going to do like recorded content every few weeks. Oh, what a fool I was! But anyway, that's still there, uh, so you can go watch it if you're interested. Um, but before we crack on with the rest of the episode, um, I'm going to bring up. Alexandra is here. Big mood energy off of YouTube. Uh, hello, hello, hello. Everyone can see. This Hi. is exciting. Um, Alexandra, for, for people who might not know who you are, and there might, might be one or two people here, this is what I call podcasting. Yes, correct. Sorry. Um, would you mind introducing yourself? Uh, sort of tell, tell us about uh, what you do and, um, and uh, yeah, a bit of an intro. Yeah, so I'm Alexandra. Um, I am on Twitter as Big Mood Energy and also YouTube as well. Um, I've run a YouTube channel for about two years now, focused on American transit systems. Um, we've been a little while between videos. Um, I took a detour from American transit to like do a little history series about kind of the dying era of passenger rail. Um, and I'm hoping to get back into the transit videos at some point, but, um, yeah, I am really into like transit history research um kind of really enjoy that along like modern systems and analysis but i think the history has always like held a special spot and especially these like deep dives into just weird old stuff that like you know you can't like put this into like a youtube video that goes out for like mass consumption yeah. because nobody <laughs> yeah. wants to hear the specifics of it's, like it's a that system that was never built it's that analogy of like rowing, like history is like an ocean. You kind of row out onto it and drop a tiny little bucket down and, and mm. like shine a tiny little flashlight on one little thing. And actually that can be quite interesting and quite instructive on kind of wider wider themes and trends. Yeah, it's, it's I love that sort of thing. And, and the way you do it is brilliant as well. Like it's uh, another thing. I tried to do this with a, a, a series, but, but talking about engineering, talking specifically about railway engineering using city skylines. And I, I got a few videos out, but it very quickly, like for me, I kind of reached the buffers as it were on uh, on like what I could get in terms of engineering with city skylines without it becoming 
<laughs> all consuming. Yeah. It went a bit Franklin. Um, but yeah, it's, that's it's... kind of where I've ended up. It's like you reach the point where like your save game is like about to implode, but you have to also do like cinematography with it. Oh my, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I very much I, I very much like uh, pivoted to doing live videos because the advantage of this video that's going out right now is that I don't have to edit it, which means it's happening right now. Um, editing is so much fun, but um, it does it does mean you have to commit time to things, which. Um, yes. Yeah. So without further ado, I think um, we are going to we're going to get cracking. Um, Alexandra, we will we'll 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 start talking about gadget bands galore uh, momentarily. But um, it only really remains for me to say um, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Rail Matter. Oh, and as the Intercity 225 fades, fades away. Oh, we're going to bring up, we're going to bring up this thing from last week because... Um, Alexander, I love that you think this is as as funny uh, as uh, yeah. This is this is a kind of a labor of love, but also with one of my with with like one of my tongues uh, with with my tongue firmly in my cheek um, as a kind of to point out how both I think transit categorization is silly, but also it's bad uh, and done badly all at once. But the reason I put this up is to kind of point out where so we we're kind of here. Um, in fact, I tell you what, let's get both of our faces up. We can do this. We have the technology. Uh, hello. So we've got the, this thing. This is basically, this is a flow chart to describe what a transit system is. So you start here and uh, say your system doesn't do, basically doesn't have much capacity, which every single system we're talking about tonight falls into this category, I think. Yeah. Um, although I stand, I may be corrected, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not really that high capacity. Uh, most of them don't have steel wheels on steel rails. I don't think any of them do, actually. Um some of them are suspended, in which case it's a dangle way. But uh, if, if they're not suspended and they don't carry more than 10 people, then they end up being a car. <laughs> and they're a car. Yeah. So the, the, tonight's theme is, uh, is PRT just cars? Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're gonna, that's, that's like the underlying. And that's a really relevant question because the more you start looking into them, the more it starts to jump out that maybe these are just like fancy cars. Yeah. That's 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 like my whole thing with either it's a fancy car or it's something like Hyperloop, which doesn't exist. Uh, yep. So it's like it's like either either it's just cars or it's made up nonsense. That's kind of like where these things often go. But that doesn't mean that they don't look fun um, and, yeah. we, and we can't look at pictures of them and laugh at them. So without further ado, basically. Uh, so everyone, everyone watching, bear this in mind, bear this flow chart from last week in mind. Um and basically, we're gonna we're gonna start. So, Alexandra, I mean, I've, I've essentially list. I've dropped in the, the 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 slides that you sent, and they are wonderful. And I and and so begin us on our odyssey. What are we looking at here? Yeah, so we're kind of moving through a progression of PRT people mover systems, and I thought the place to start would be one of the earliest ones that actually existed in some form. Mm -hmm. Kind of a trend we're gonna see here is that a lot of these didn't exist. And the ones that did exist <laughs> yeah. range between like, you know, a small test track was built or, you know, there's a there's a real thing you can touch and ride out there. Yeah. Um, so this is monocab slash Romag. Uh, and one part of Gadget Bonds is you have to keep track of when they get renamed. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're constantly sold from company to company and then they rename it. This is one of the earliest... Um, 
personal rapid transit systems. It was actually prototyped in the early 1950s by an engineer in Texas. And another important thing to remember is that pretty much all of these are like made by some guy. Like I assume they had like a team and there were like other people involved, but pretty much all of them are tied to like one guy who this was his thing. Yeah. Um, And it was like a golden era if you were just like an engineer who invented a thing and wanted to get like $50,000 from the government to think about it more. Which is ostensibly good, right? I have nothing against just random people in a shed getting 50 grand to just make a thing. That's fine, isn't it? I suppose that bit of it's fine. It's then the next step of what happens with it that becomes more of a... Yes. It becomes a little bit more dicey. Yeah. Um, Um, So... Monocab is a wheeled monorail suspended from an overhead track. And you can kind of see it here. Uh, I couldn't really find any like early, early pictures of Monocab. Yeah, because this one looks uh, quite snazzy. It's quite snazzy looking at this point. Yeah, yeah, this one is actually quite good. There's a couple like low res pictures floating around of older ones where it like sort of looks like the front end of like a VW minibus like chopped <laughs> off and like suspended from a monorail. Um, but so a critical design flaw in the first iteration of monocab was like the traditional monorail flaw, which is like, how do you switch the thing? And monocab solution was to move the entire track. Um, and that, that pretty much made it infeasible from the get go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny how often switching becomes the big problem because, it's yeah. like, oh, monorails are so simple, you know, it's all simple and you don't need a high, you don't need like a really well-engineered ground, ground conditions and stuff because you can put it on stilts. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, but how do you switch? Ah, yeah, yes. we have to move this entire structure <laughs> from one side to side. Yeah, if you've ever ridden like the Newark airport monorail, um, you get a really good picture of how like clunky that is because like the entire section of track like lifts up and then comes back down in a new position and it takes like 30 seconds to do. Um, but switching is like a pretty big trend across like all these systems and there's a couple different ways they do it Mm -hmm. and like big inventions. Um, so the guy who invented it, uh, sold it to Vero incorporated in the 1960s who did some sort of update to the design to make a stationary switch that didn't require moving the entire trackway. And they actually did build a test track for it. I don't think before that it had a test track. Um, and so that was in 1969, they built a test track. And then Vero, who had only owned it for a couple of years, turned around and sold Monocab in 1971 to Roar. And a lot of aerospace and defense companies kind of ended up buying the patents up for these systems and then going on to do things with them when like it became apparent that these small companies and like guys in their shed weren't able to implement a full system. Um, so Roar took it and they updated the design. Uh, and I believe this is Roar's monocab, which I think is just Vero's monocab with a new logo on it. Yeah. Um, but Roar took it and they updated it to what they called Romag. Um, and I think we can go to the next slide on this one. Oh, this is, yes, this is after they, um, ah, wait a second. Have I, wait a minute. Cause there was Romag. Oh, yeah, sorry. I shall do this because there is a Romag. There we are. I think I might be me making the order wrong. Let's do this. There we go. There's Romag. Yes. So um, there were a lot of like the last time we saw was like a popular science spread or something. And there's there's a ton of these like Life magazine, popular science. They love to like 
feature these systems. Um, so Romag was updated to use magnetic levitation and linear induction motors. And I think there was originally a monorail version of it, but this version you can see here is like on a... It's on like, like two, it's got like two little sort of track things here by the look of it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And Romag, and I think it's down there at the bottom of the slide, was the first vehicle to support and be propelled by magnetic forces that was ridden by a person in the United States, which is kind of a cool aside. Yeah, yeah, that is quite cool. Okay. Yeah, so and it's the first a time maglev has been used like, in the US. Yeah. yeah, a lot of these have these like cool little like pieces of history that are like very like futuristic and like technological accomplishments. Um, but now we get to the part where it doesn't work so well. Um, so <laughs> Romag and Monocab never really had any customers. And <laughs> there was there were all these like expos in the 60s and 70s where these systems were showing off to try and like drum up interest, whether to sell it to cities or to amusement parks or airports or whoever. Um, and there was a really big one called Transpo 72. It was at Washington Dulles Airport and like a bunch of these people mover systems were brought there. They sent the old monocab system there. It was Romag by that point, but they sent monocab, um, I think because monocab was like, already developed and had a test track, whereas Romag, I think, was more experimental still. Yeah. But um, this expo was actually, like, cool little aside. Um, I think if, like, you know, a modern transit nerd, like, wanted to travel back in time to see one thing, um, it could be this, because other attendees at it included uh, the United Aircraft Corporation turbo train, the Ooh. advanced passenger train, Ooh the prototype of the U.S. standard light rail vehicle, Whoa. the state-of-the-art car, uh, the prototype of the flexible Metro bus. Ooh. Um, the Concorde got its first orders there. Oh, wow. Um, and there was also an accompanying air show that had so many fatalities that Washington Dulles never hosted another air show again. Oh, crikey. So that really so, is a fixed point in time right there. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is like a very interesting moment. And also like then it's like simultaneous, like very like hopeful and futuristic. But then there's this like downside where like pretty much all of these things listed had a big issue that didn't work out. Um, and like all of the people movers that were shown there, I think there were like half a dozen, maybe more. Um like none of them got any purchases at the event. Uh, they set up like all these test tracks, people rode them around, nobody wanted to buy one. Um, so the fate of Romag and Monocab, um, Boeing purchased the Romag patents from Roar around 1974. Roar was probably ready to be done with it. Um, nobody wanted it by that point. Hmm. And Boeing developed it as part of a like sort of, life support uh, project from the Urban Mass Transportation Administration to like shepherd through the final years of personal rapid transit development until the 1980s when the entire thing was just like scrapped and put down and there was just no market. Uh, okay, so it's just, just like basically a, like a skeleton R&D team sort of yeah, like tinkering with it. Pretty much. And that's like 
everything post 1974, if you're working on a personal rapid transit system, then like the writing's on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, Ah yeah, I mean it. It looks it looks retro as hell, you know. That a lot of these things, and actually the 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 image that we showed a minute ago of um of Transrapid, they all look quite a lot like like uh, next generation shuttlecraft. That's the thing that they, they all remind me of. They all have that vibe. Um, yeah. This yeah. one's this one's like the first one, the first the first shuttlecraft on TNG that like when they clearly like the set design team had absolutely no budget, and so they just made it from like like cupboard panels. That's, yeah, that's what Romag like is reminding me of. A white boxy shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I guess the future note um, and about like the reuse of all these names, because there's like only so many combinations of like personal rapid transit name that you can make. There is another monocab system that equally does not exist, but was developed in the 2000s. Oh. Um, so these names get recycled because like everybody thinks they've like got the coolest thing. They're like, oh, it's it's a cab. It's for one person, mono cab. Yeah, and it's already been done. Particularly now when there's this research. I mean, we might touch on this later, but now given that there is this resurgence in like California ideology, tech saviorism, and PRT new new kind of PRT systems being developed, it's they 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 literally have to go back through the archives and blow the dust off these these old system names. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Shall we? Uh, oh, what's, yes. what, so what's the rail bus here, by the way? Is this is this something that is this just a happenstance uh, half of the page that has been scanned? But it's already. Peaking. Yeah. So this is um this came from a like product catalog from Roar. Ah, okay. um, Bart is also in here. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and yeah, this is uh, I think it's like a traditional like monorail type vehicle but you can see there it was oh it's kind of like a theme this. park or zoo type sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah i see it's weirdly enough this looks far more viable as a transport system than this does like this one's yes. like that could actually be a thing this no it's just a car um, yeah and a lot of companies had like these like multiple tiers of system where there was like the personal rapid transit tier which didn't get off the ground and then they would have something more akin to like an amusement park circulator where yeah, like you know it did get thing. sales yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 for sure yeah right shall we uh we shall skip yes. so this is the uh oh i see so this is the so what we can see down at the bottom this looks like this is the roar here it is down here and see my little red arrow i've just scribbled in here this is what we were just looking at this is what this is what this is romag down here yes so it's the the tech behind romag uh, yeah. um because yeah here is where here's Transrapid, which is the first so there's a few varieties so down here this thing looks like a, a drawing of um of uh Lathwaite, Eric Lathwaite's original sort of thing that he mocked up and and used to like slide along a plate and it would crash into the other end of the of the of the of his like lab, um because you know and, and he was showing the showing this plate and then yeah Kraus Maffei picked it up and then came up with Transrapid and this thing does just look like a this thing I think this is um Transrapid three or four uh, and it looks suspiciously like a TNG shuttle like it really that's that's the vibe it gives off. Um, yeah. Aww. Anyway, yeah. So maglev. Uh, there's so yeah. Go to my maglev video if people want a maglev history. Um, unless I, I, I'm cross plugging. Also, Alexandra, you haven't got any maglev videos on your channel yet, have you? That's that's like no, I don't. Uh, so so that that one to look out for. So yeah. Um, 
so there is maglev um yeah they're calling it romag yeah they are calling it romag in that published material so the next one the next on our list next is herb mobile and this is one that i don't believe it ever existed in any real form so there's another really early one and this is a dual mode system so the idea was that you'd have this little electric car it had like 40 miles of range um and you know you'd take it home and then you would drive it back to your like on-ramp point and get on to this guideway where you'd get shot up to like 80 miles per hour uh, or 60 and ride along the guideway to your destination so dual mode was like a pretty big thing through the 60s um this one was developed by cornell um and again it was kind of like the project of two guys um but this one was rubber tired except this one actually is steel wheels on rails and you can kind of see it in yeah, this picture i don't see them underneath oh that this potentially breaks the system <laughs> because yeah. yeah there are st there are steel rails on steel wheels there what if uh, it steel has wheels both. on steel rails rather yeah i mean the first thing that i that strikes me looking at this Alexandra, is like this is just the boring company loop concept yes Again. it is <laughs> and just... These things, like exactly. reading through these, I just kept thinking over and over, like we are literally inventing this over and over. Yeah. Um, and there's a funny quote from one of the articles about this where they say um, that they pretty much have all the technology to build it. Uh, one of the engineers is like, we all the equipment needed is essentially state of the art. That doesn't mean it's off the shelf, but we know how to build it. So they're like also in this world of like, yeah, it's only five years away. Yeah. It's just uh, so many things that are just like absolutely familiar to like driverless cars and all this sort of FM nonsense. Yeah. Like, it's so familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's kind of funny in this one. The highway is like almost like open and clear and empty. Yeah. And they're all like queued up in this like really tight <laughs> traffic. But it's a remarkably it, accurate portrayal uh, of the, of the yeah. you, you go into the tube and you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. This is like the, the Tesla Las Vegas tube. <laughs> But they actually, they noted that in one of the descriptions, they said that like the cars would be able to run like milliseconds apart. Oh my God. And their quote is that all the vehicles are designed to run exactly 60 miles per hour. So if one of them gets too close, they'll just nudge each other gently. Oh my goodness. At 60 miles per hour. Oh my. This is this. Um, how often I have this babble from people who are like defending boring companies, people who defend the loop as anything other than a taxi tunnel. And they're like, oh, yeah, but the cars eventually will be able to run right next to each other. It's like, no, they won't. Nope. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> they, they will not. <laughs> it's made up. They haven't been able to for the last 60 years, and they're <laughs> not going to for the next 60. Yeah, yeah um, but now we, have, now we have LiDAR. That makes everything work magically. Anyway, yes. Um, so this is the mock. So this mock-up is like so many mock-ups that, that, that are like painting the, the car utopia of the future, you know everyone's yep. in here not driving they're playing chess or they're smoking or they're engaging in light fornication or whatever it happens to be and yeah uh, this guy's like lighting her cigarette it's yeah. like a very sexy moment yeah, on sure. the freeway yeah <laughs> uh you know and they don't have to pay attention to whatever they're about to wall up in front of them because uh it's fine because they're all going at 60 miles an hour yeah know? it's gonna be a gentle nudge yeah for sure um the next page kind of shows some of the 
Oh my. The vaporware behind it. (laughs) Vaporware is right, yeah. It shows like the rubber tires and then the flange steel wheels on the inside that were supposed to drop down when it enters the guideway. And then also how it would come off of third rail power um, for its guideway trip. (laughs) And (laughs) this is so not exactly Herb Mobile, but I just wanted to tell this story. Um, but a similar, like adjacent project of another like dual mode car. Actually, a couple of them got together. They were like student projects, and the Ford Motor Company gave them twenty thousand dollars and a Mustang to develop this like third rail technology over a summer. So, at some point in like nineteen sixty nine ish around there, there was a third rail power Ford Mustang. <laughs> This is particularly I think it's just like the funniest thing to imagine. God. Can you imagine can you imagine putting that thing well for well certainly for everyone in the chat. Can you imagine putting that thing down in like in like uh I don't know putting it on the third rail in Denmark Hill and driving it around in South London on the third rail network. Oh my goodness. Oh dear. Uh that's quite I love the idea of like this this like white room everyone in like science coats and like getting getting all boffiny. Uh, reinventing something that is like at that very moment was hauling knackered Mark One like commuter stock around South London, mm. uh, like it was absolutely normal. Also, they have third rail in in um, in New York as well, didn't they? They had they have, they have a third rail system yeah. there, I think. And so it's like there are a couple of third rail systems, but you know you just have to reinvent it to yeah. make it work with your car. <laughs> Dear me, I love there's, there's all the weird and wacky stuff that they pay a lot of attention to. I love that there's a television. Obviously, uh, oh, of course. And then this totally indecipherable destination uh, signal, which I presume is some barcode for firing the thing in the right direction. Yeah. So I believe the description they had was like there would be a like spool of cloth inside of it that would have like all the barcode destinations pre-printed. Wow. And so when you select yours, it would like rotate that spool and show your destination barcode and the system would like scan you as you go. Um, Herbmobile is supposed to have self-switching. So I think that would just inform your vehicle about yeah, okay. which which track to switch to. So that's just yet yeah, another thing that has to be read correctly. They'd have to develop some camera mm. that could be accurate enough. Um, another thing I've noticed here, which is which which makes me laugh. So that there a lot with with modern gadget band stuff. There's often like there there are a few telltale like phrases that get used that show that it's nonsense because they've just picked a sciency sounding technology word to make the thing sound fancy. Um, uh, autonomous is a good one. Often like you see new transport systems being proposed, certainly here in the UK. And if it has the word autonomous in it, you can basically write it off as a load of nonsense. Um, this one I love because you've got. Electric drive motor, you know, electric motors are not new, um, but it's printed circuit type, which means it's, ooh, that means it's magical. It's advanced. Yeah. You couldn't do that with another circuit type, only only printed. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, Herbmobiles were intended not to just be, like, one type of car, but it would be, like, a design standard for existing car manufacturers. Um. And, you know, like you would own your own Herbmobile or there would be like a fleet of Herbmobiles you could take home. Um, and these were kind of one of like the downfalls of of Herbmobile was and dual mode as a concept was like 
nobody really wants to allow people to just like take home a publicly owned transit vehicle. Yeah. Um, but there was one final development of Urbmobile on the next slide that I think is like a interesting conclusion that just like takes oh it to the God. next level. So <laughs> the final development of Urbmobile, one of the later additions was that it would not run on like a concrete guideway or like steel rails on a guideway like it was showing before, but instead a magnet would pick up your Urbmobile and put it on a suspended monorail. Oh my gosh. And whisk you along like that. Magnoline. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is Magnoline. wild. Yeah, so like imagine the power goes out and you're being held onto this thing <laughs> by an electromagnet. <laughs> and suddenly you're dropped down into what's down there below the hundred mile per hour lane. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like Oh my goodness, carnage. Yeah. I love. I almost love. I love the 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 chutzpah that goes into someone drawing this diagram and going, "Yep, that's that'll work. That's solid. No problems there." Wow, just incredible. Um, yeah, just, just, I just a look, beautiful. Just like, just like a reg, automobile and regular cars. So you're just driving along and your thing gets electromagneted up into the into the sky and you get whisked along on this uh, janky overhead system. Uh, yeah, and I think that was like the idea was like, you know, not everybody's going to buy a brand new electric Urbmobile, but we could just pick up people's cars they already own and just shoot them along this monorail, like, which would totally work because like all cars are such a similar size and standard, and, yeah. like, you <laughs> know, like. I, I mean, there are lots of, when, what, what year was this kind of probably sketched up then? Was this, was this late 60s still or was it? So I think this one, this one comes from like the final report that mentions um, Urbmobile, which is uh, Metro Trans 2000, which is like this huge like volume of like every system that we were going to have by the year 2000. And I think this was written about 1970 or 71. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I'm looking at here is uh, about that time, not all cars were monocoque and I'm not sure... I'm not sure all cars would necessarily structurally cope with being lifted up by the roof. I have a yeah, feeling. Yeah, you've got your like '50s Cadillac, where just, just lifts like, the roof off. Panels you, start oh. falling off. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, that's glorious. That is that is something to behold. That is a wonderful, wonderful uh, diagram there. Oh goodness, right. So what? I mean, from where do you go from there? I mean, oh, Astroglide is where you go. Okay, yes. Here we so... go. Um, dual mode is essentially dead by this point, because not completely, but we'll see. Um, so this is one, this is, was the, actually the inspiration for this podcast was Astroglide. Um, I kind of found it and saw the name and just like instantly rushed to tweet about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I tweeted you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So this one actually, when I first found it, I kind of like dismissed it as just like a total fluke, but then I researched more and it's actually like. Astroglide existed and was, for the most part, real. Oh. Um, so Astroglide was an evolution of a previous system called JetRail. Um, These names, they're incredible. <laughs> so uh, if you go to the next slide, oh, yeah, sure. you can actually see JetRail. So ah, JetRail okay. was developed as a people mover for Braniff Airlines between its parking lot and its terminal at Dallas Love Field. Uh, it was built by the Stanray Corporation, which was a heavy manufacturing company out of Chicago. And it was really similar to Monocab 
it was an overhead monorail system with vehicles kind of straddling this I-beam. Um, and yeah, it was built in 1970. Uh, it operated for four years. Uh, people apparently really liked it. Huh. Um, it would take you like right into the terminal. Um, there's like a ton of like glowing articles about it. People loved how like colorful the cars were. Um, and they're, they're like, honestly, one of the kind of the prettiest of these, um, systems with like all their bright colors and like the red track. And I don't know, it looks like it has that like amusement park feel. It, it does. But... It's, it's, got, it's like that. It's also in the situation where this sort of system does kind of work, which is that it's basically like a horizontal lift, you know, like yes. airports going from like the park, the car park or the bus station to the, to the center of the airport. This is airports are where these sorts of systems are quite good and useful because you don't need the volume of a, a full mass transit system. Um, uh, so yeah, and, and it is quite fun. My my thoughts looking at this is there is a lot of heavy kit, like yes. to attach this thing to the I beam, <laughs> like... and that was one of the like drawbacks with it. Um, it was originally built; they were trying to make a cheaper version of monocab, and they still. Um, they solved the switching issue, although I don't really know exactly how they did that. Um, I don't even know if like there were switches on the system yeah. since it's it's literally just a loop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they had this really heavy overhead equipment, and a lot of their documents talk about that as like a drawback. Um, so what happened was in 1974, Braniff left Dallas Love Field to move to Dallas Fort Worth Airport, which had just opened. And so they no longer needed jet rail and they wanted to sell it. So Stan Ray, the company that built it, for some reason they were involved in selling it. I'm guessing they still owned part of it or like owned the entire thing. Um, so they assigned this guy named George Skelzo, who like sort of became the like guardian angel of this system. And then like made like dedicated the rest of his life to PRT systems. Um, as far as I can tell, he was not actually involved in originally building it. If there was a different engineer who was like credited with prototyping it, but he was put in charge of this subsidiary called PRT Systems, whose main goal was to figure out how to get rid of jet rail. Um, okay. So what he did with it was he upgraded it to use linear induction motors and get rid of all that overhead bulk. Um, that you see with the, I believe it's rubber tire, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. on monorail system. Um, so as far as I can tell, they, and I think if we go back to, um, the previous yeah, see, slide, you can kind of see, this is the renovated Astroglide car. And I think they just renovated one of them. Because this um, looks like the same. So the actual body, the 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 the, the yes. bit where you're sitting, looks like the same. It's the same vehicle, right? They just yeah. But now, like the the overhead this... system is like encased in this snazzy box. It looks like it's been slimmed down a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't have like all the big machinery kind of hanging out yeah. over top of it. Um. So yeah. So they updated like one of the cars as a proof of concept to try and garner more sales for it. Um, Skelzo renamed it Astroglide. Um, he apparently, this guy was like really inspired by the moon landing 
Um, like the sales pitches for Astroglide are, they're like beautiful to read because like he like pours his heart into these intros about like putting man on the moon and like <laughs> all this stuff. Like he's like so, so into it. Um, and yeah, just is like really flowery sales pitch about like the future of mankind and like, you know, to sell this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of creativity goes into this and, and it's, I know I often, I often get, uh, I often kind of dump on these systems. Actually, I don't so much dump on the systems at this time because it kind of was cutting edge in, in, a, in, in some senses and there's lots of fun stuff and a lot of care and creativity. In a way, I feel like it was a less, I mean, this is perhaps me being a bit, bit naive, but in a way it feels like it was less cynical than the current things like loop and and and, and systems are now because in a way these were cutting edge they were actually at the forefront whereas yeah nothing is now none of, loop is not at the forefront of anything it's just a taxi rank um yeah and like a lot of these engineers they like they were really passionate about what they did like it wasn't like they were writing off like transit like i think a lot of modern like personal rapid transit kind of has this air of like you know, transit is dead and yeah. like the car is the future. But a lot of these are written in like their descriptions talk about like, you know, how much damage cars have done to cities yeah. and like how we need to save transit. Like, and this was like what was going to save it. Um, like really like a lot of them talk like very lovingly about like previous transit systems and how we need like something like that again in the future. Yeah, you get a feeling like some of them are thinking that they are going to come up with the next type, you know, the next train, rather than yeah. rather than thinking they're going to come up with a, a car alter, you know, like a thing that is still just cars. They are thinking, no, this is kind of the next evolution of the of the of the train, and, and you do yeah. generally get that feeling, and you get that feeling off the early maglev, like the the early kind of um, larger maglev systems as well. They really do think that it's the next step. Um, I'm gonna jump. So if I jump back to the to the the older version, I, I do have an observation, which is that 1970s cars in the US are are really cool. Uh, yeah, there's some cool there's some cool cars in this picture. Like even the old think, uh, even the even the old uh, Golf or the old Rabbit. Yeah, uh, is, it looks kind of awesome in amongst it all. Uh, anyway, uh, what a vibe. So yeah, what, so the what have you got next? In glide. Yeah. Um, they tried to sell it to hotels first, then to the city of Memphis, then Fort Lauderdale, then Dallas, oh, then wow. Waco, Texas. Uh, and if you go forward two slides, there's a letter from George Skelzo begging the federal government to consider giving them a grant to install it in Fort Lauderdale. And basically the plan was they were just going to rip out the system and move it to whichever one of these cities. <laughs> and he even says, like, you know, this is going to help get President Ford reelected. Um, he, he writes a lot of these. Oh but yeah, there we go. Yeah, it'd be a big boost, big boost to the area if the president on a campaign swing. Yeah, lots of like, get yourself elected. <laughs> yeah. Crikey. So ultimately, um, none of this panned out, and it was actually donated to Halliburton, oh, the oil company, okay. and then it kind of the trail goes dead, and it was probably scrapped then. Oh. oh. So. Sad face. The next system, though, is one that I think probably is going to be the most widely known among transit people, except for, like, Morgantown. Um, uh, and that next is... up, we have Skybus. Skybus. Hooray. Or the Transit Expressway Revenue Line was the official name. 
Well, I, I, uh, Transit Expressway Revenue Line. Yep. Ah. So Skybus was like a media name. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, Westinghouse Electric, who built it, never actually used that name for it. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, it's an accurate name. Like it looks very much like a it's bus. A bus. <laughs> it's up there yeah. in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was rubber tired bus like vehicles on concrete guideways with like a guide rail in the center that also, I believe, supplied power. Oh yeah. And so you can sort of see here this little guideway and there's a there's a what looks like a little contact patch sort of strip thing on the top there. Yeah. So this one actually one of the big features that I don't think a lot of other PRT systems had was coupling. So it was designed to also run as trains. Most of the other ones don't have this as a feature. They're like individual pods or they had some like vaporware like virtual coupling thing, um, fleet maneuvers. Um, so it was intended, it was proposed as a replacement for Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh streetcar system um, by Westinghouse, who was based out of Pittsburgh. Uh, and a test track was built in 1964 at South Park, which is like a big, big spacious nature sort of park um, in Pittsburgh. And Walt Disney actually visited it in 1965 and possibly gained some inspiration for his own um, gadget bond type yeah. systems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if we go to the next Ooh. slide. There we go. Um, so they put it in this park and they handed out these survey cards to riders to gauge their opinions okay. on like, you know, would you want this in your city? Um, and like all sorts of questions, like, I don't know, like, 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 are the seats comfortable? Um, do you like this better than a streetcar? Uh, and yeah, so like they surveyed a ton of people. One fatal flaw noted in like their outreach and surveying is that like the majority of the riders that they surveyed with these were children. <laughs> Because it was it was in this park, so like most of the people oh. riding it were like families with children who were just visiting the park yeah. or were taking them specifically to like ride the, the theme park ride. Yeah. Um uh, That's a good way to break a survey, folks. Yeah, it's like a classic like uh statistics um issue. Yeah. Big time. It's nice you can see that here's here's a coupled example with the three together. Uh, yeah which is nice yeah i, I mean I, I suppose words being put in your in your mouth here but uh andy Karras is going uh so why do this rather than trams well yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and pittsburgh asked that same question um it seems like so pittsburgh has the port authority of allegheny county who runs transit in the city and they put out a report in 1967 that was like all in on Skybus. They were gonna like gut the entire remaining streetcar system and replace it with Skybuses. And they like kind of charged ahead with some um, preemptive construction. They started renovating a railroad tunnel to use as a Skybus tunnel. Um, they started building like a station and opposition was really bad. People didn't really want it. 
Um, I mean, like a lot of people did want it, but a lot of people really didn't because it wasn't a proven technology. Um, a lot of like modern metro and personal rapid transit systems were kind of like falling apart at the time. Yeah. Um, BART was going through like highly publicized cost and technology issues. Uh, opposition was just really significant to this plan. Um, it was so bad the mayor of Pittsburgh wrote to Congress asking them to put a stop to the system. Um, and like, you know, if the mayor of your city is like going over, yeah. you know, the transit system's head to talk to Congress, like it's in bad shape. Um, so yeah, there was like feuding for a bunch of years and like the federal government threatened to pool funding entirely until 1975 when they agreed like, okay, we're going to do one last study and decide if we should do Skybus. And that was like the compromise. And the study came out and essentially said like, Skybus is not going to work. <laughs> and oh. um, instead it was replaced with a plan to modernize Pittsburgh's streetcar system into the modern light rail T that it is now. Yeah, and um, actually one of the stations that was built for Skybus was reused in that. It's Castle okay. Shannon Station for any Pittsburgh oh, nice folks who are interested pittsburgh folks hello pittsburgh people. yeah they're always around yeah so. <laughs> yeah um yeah because i mean basically so i've I, a system not entirely dissimilar to this every now and then sort of intensive bus systems um that have lots of snazzy technology sellotaped onto it um surface in the uk as an alternative to trams one of them mm. uh, was recently it was called the cambridgeshire autonomous metro um, and it, it wasn't autonomous. It certainly wasn't a metro. And funnily enough, it didn't even stay within Cambridgeshire. So it was like entirely stupidly named. But I, yeah, I wrote a piece kind of going into the science of why right, rubber tires, uh, for intensive systems, rubber tires are actually not a good idea and why the infrastructure ends up being much more substantial to support that sort of technology rather than steel on steel. Um, you know, the energy efficiency is substantial. You know, it's like this yeah. system, would, to move per seat, this system will have about 15% the energy efficiency of a streetcar or a tram. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's like, there is a reason why steel and steel is a good idea. It's not just because yeah. people are weirdos and we just want everything to be a train. Yeah. Like there is a reason it's persisted for 200 years and roughly it's current form. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so what's, so where, where, what next, what happened then? Uh, is that, in fact, I can't remember what the next slide is. So, uh, uh, yeah, we... a little surprise. Ah, um, it, it, is that Skybus? Question that mark? is Skybus. Ah. Um, so Skybus, while it was going through these big issues in Pittsburgh, um, Westinghouse actually made two sales of it. One was to Tampa, which is here, um, for their airport, and they installed it in 1971. And then Seattle-Tacoma Airport, bought it in 1973, which makes them the first and second oldest operating airport people movers in the U.S. Ah, there you go. It's another one of these little funny records again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so this is Skybus. Um, it has, in both airports, the systems have like since been upgraded and um, replaced, although they do use the original like trackways and, um, you know, it is, it's an iteration of the system that was built in the seventies. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Skyway actually did get built, um, or Skybus got built and 
Yeah, I think it got used for the purpose that, again, is like very fitting to it, which yeah. is airports. It's funny because like the first, so the first passenger carrying maglev system was maglev in Birmingham, um, mm. in Birmingham airport for the similar thing. And, and, and it's exactly like this, like it ended up getting stripped out and repurposed with the sort of the infrastructure still the same, but with like a different, with, with like a, a less sophisticated cable car now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's like a Doppelmayr system, but it used to be, a, it was maglev. It was was developed by British Rail and Lathway as as the first maglev system. And it was, it was pretty shonky. But again, it was like where it kind of works. You know, you have a little pod, it's quick turnaround. It's very straightforward, simple, short distances. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's not it's not a coincidence that it's often in airports where these sorts of systems surface, right? Or or stick. Yeah, rather. and that was actually so going back to monocab. That was one of the original purposes for the design was that they observed that like existing monorails took an extremely long amount of time to accelerate and decelerate because they were just so large. Yeah, and so their thinking was like you know a small vehicle can stop and start quickly, and ultimately like you know, that's useful for a scenario like an airport where they are moving short distances and small numbers of people. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So with our nice. last well, we 17 go, minutes, we have, we have <laughs> one final system, the Alden star car, which is possibly the most successful one of these. Wait, what? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's not the word what, I was expecting to hear associated it, with this. It depends on <laughs> how you view it, but it looks like a big, uh, a big like Sinclair. You know, the little sort of things you sit in, the little tiny plastic thing. Yeah, uh, it really does. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So it was designed by Bill Alden, who I believe is sitting in the car in this picture. Uh, he designed it after he worked on an automated mail sorting system in the 1950s. And a lot of uh, the gadget bonds come from like airports and amusement parks. But another big entry point was like automated freight pallet movement. And there's like a lot of like overlap in some of the systems. Like a lot of them have this idea of like, you know, that you're, gonna move like pallets and people will like put their car on it and that'll move them around um so this was kind of his idea was based on this mail sorting system um so it's pretty similar to herbmobile at first it's a dual mode system it has rubber tires uh it's truly rubber tired not like herbmobile which had steel tile steel wheels also um, it could go off track for like 10 miles and 30 miles per hour. And then um, it would run at 60 miles per hour on a flat concrete track with third rail power. And um, so Bill Alden built a test track in Massachusetts in 1961 to do like, I think it was like one to 20 scale testing, which is what like most of them did. Um, sometimes you like see the test track and then there'll be another picture with like, an engineer standing next to it and it's yeah. just like it's like okay this is kind of like your layout room in your basement yeah, but, yeah, yeah. um so if we go to the next slide uh we have in 1966 walter cronkite showed yeah. the star car to the nation on tv so there is walter in the star car and i think that is again bill alden on the right um so yeah this was like during this like mid late 60s era where all these systems were starting to be shown off to people as like 
you know, in 1980, you're going to ride this. And this is like a kind of like five year era that like really builds the hype for them uh, before it crashes out in the seventies. Um, so after dual mode systems, driving on, driving off, lost their popularity, Alden iterated the idea into a closed loop system that would run six person kind of minibus like cars. And he started shopping that system around. He made a proposal for an exposition in Boston to be the transit system inside the expo. A ton of these were transit systems for expos. Um, Sounds familiar again. Yeah. Like the world's fair. um, Just all, all these like futuristic expos. They, were a big source of um, implementation for these. So then that proposal that was used for Boston, he didn't get the contract. Um, I think nobody got the contract. Um, This proposal was reused for Morgantown's PRT system, which was putting out uh, proposals for bids or yeah, request for proposals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they proposed like a $14 million system that would take two years to build. Um, They really believed this would be like an easy build. Uh, The star car was like self-switching, ran on these simple concrete guideways, and they won. So the star car was going to be the PRT. Um, But it wasn't quite this form that you see here. Uh, If you go to the next slide, you'll see their proposal for the route. Oh, yeah. Which, if you're a PRT head, you'll recognize instantly as like the route now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they were going to build this system for fourteen million dollars, uh, two years, um, and that didn't quite happen. Um, but you can see in the next slide the concept for the. Oh yeah, it's starting to look farm. very familiar. Like this looks much more familiar for anyone who knows Morgantown. That's yeah. Yeah, so really, really familiar now. These are like the mini buses that they switched to after they ditched the dual mode concept. Um, So what happened was they won the contract and the UMTA visited their test track in Massachusetts and they kind of realized like this isn't like a company that's going to be able to do this. Like I think Alden employed like six people at the time. Um, I think they got to this test track and they watched these like RC car sized vehicles like <laughs> rolling around and kind of freaked out. Um, there's a quote somewhere, but I can't find it anymore. One of like the UMTA officials was just like, this whole thing's going to blow up. <laughs> so they rebid and gave a new contract to Jet Propulsion Labs. Oh. And at that point, um, Alden freaked out about being like boxed out of it and turn the patents over to Boeing for like the control system, the self-switching and like, I think the core vehicle chassis Um, and jet propulsion labs was having some issues with negotiating the contract. And then another contract was turned over to Boeing. And one of like the quotes from the era in like a study at the time of like how they're spending the money on Morgantown noted that there were some like fairly valid rumors that Boeing was given the contract as compensation for cancellation of the Boeing supersonic transport plane. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a lot of these like 
have some kind of shady like politics in them. It's a very politically charged era. Um, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds funny because that's exactly what was going on in the UK at the, at the same time as well. With like, because it was a you know white heat of technology and all these kind of gov- big government R and D contracts mm. going out and, and like all these developments and invariably stuff was just getting politically cancelled left, right, and centre as like yeah. the machinations of Western industry collapsed and 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 Eastern Asia started climbing um, more and more rapidly. Uh, yeah, so so it's 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 a very familiar sounding story. Yeah. And 1972, which pops up a lot in these, is an election year. And, like, Richard Nixon really wanted some, like, solid results on transportation. And so, like, there's, like, this rushed, like, dedication ceremony for the PRT. Um, Bill Alden was actually almost uninvited because it seems like Boeing, once they got the patents, kind of, like, they didn't really see a need for him anymore. Um, So this, like, guy who invented the whole thing. Um, he went to the dedication ceremony in 1972, and then it seems like he perhaps wasn't even present for, like, the full opening in 1975. So, yeah, it's like a very, yeah, but, um, yeah, after that, the star car did not get any more contracts. Um, I think it was officially shelved in, like, 1980. Uh, but Bill did go on to make some other gadget bonds. Um, he actually tried to bid for the um, personal rapid transit system at London Heathrow. Oh, interesting. That's yeah, a cool so fact. Okay. Somebody like called him up and told him this was happening, and he was like, I should be in that. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, that attitude combined with uh, the, um, the uh, design markers here, the, the, the kind of uh, artistic marker pens, which have also incidentally been used to create Bill's calling card here. Alden Self Transit Systems Corporation, which it looks like those markers have been used to like add colors to his little calling card, which is quite yeah. nice. I love how shonky it is. It's uh, beautiful. Yeah. So that's um, that's the Alden Star Car, which is possibly the most successful of them if you count that like the core technology of it ultimately made it into the Morgantown PRT. Yeah. One thing. <laughs> Yeah, and and here it is. Here is the the, the Morgantown PRT as it looks now. Yeah, so those are the Boeing-designed cars. Um, But, yeah, as far as I can tell, Boeing did take, like, the control system and pretty much used it as it came from Alden. Um, I think they they made improvements to it. But, yeah, the core, I think, was his, like, self-switching technology. Yeah, it's... uh... Uh, I mean, it, it exists, which is more than can be said for a lot of PRT systems. But, I, you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those situations where, like, if they just made, like, a, it's a, a shuttle bus probably would work, you know, as well. <laughs> yeah, I think I made a tweet about this the other day. Like, you know, a bus lane probably could have done the same thing. Like, there's this whole thing with Morgantown where it's, like, you know, like the steep hills and grades and stuff. But, yeah. like, the PRT runs alongside, like, a, a road it runs alongside a road up a hill yeah so like this isn't impossible like i think it's just it was easier to build this than like invent the bus lane this which was <laughs> so much of what like this this comes back to a thesis that picks up is picked up by all sorts of like history and tech podcasts which is that like um tech companies invariably the thing they're, they're not really tech or technology companies at all they're just ways of getting around you know, their their attempts to get around 
political and legislative barriers. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And and this feels like yeah, they couldn't politically get a bus lane approved, but they could get this thing through, which seems wild to me. Like the reason I do the flowchart at the start of this isn't because I want to. Isn't because I'm throwing shade on a system that ends up being a bus because haha buses. No, buses are great. Buses are fantastic. Do buses. <laughs> like, yeah. do a bus instead of the silly B- PRT thing because buses are actually brilliant. <laughs> they're, they're great. Yeah. And like you could have saved hundreds of millions of dollars in the process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, I thought it was a good ending point. Um, I actually, so my family is from Morgantown. So like when I was little, we would like make trips up to West Virginia and like, my like cousins and aunts and uncles were always so like kind of blase about the PRT, like because <laughs> they just they lived near it. Yeah. Um, but like I saw this thing and I was like, this city is like it's like in the future. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. all I wanted to do when we visited was ride the PRT. It's probably it's most the best thing about this is probably the fact that it is a little glimpse of the, of, of of like a transit system that isn't cars working. Yeah. Which for, yeah. for the Anglosphere like I count the UK in with that for the Anglosphere, that is like a good, like it's a, it's an important thing, but particularly for the US where there's, you know, public transport in, in, in a lot of, pla- there's fantastic public transport systems in various cities, but there's also not great public transport in lots of others. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see a system that isn't a car that is working um, and looks a bit different. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's snazzy. It's shonky. It's you know it's it it'd be better as a bus, but it's still kind of fun and and fancy. And don't get me wrong, if I went to Morgantown, I, this, this, I've got a green tick on this system. I want to ride it. Don't get me wrong, I want to yeah. ride this funky system. <laughs> at some point, someone will scrap. At some point, it's going to get bulldozed, which will be sad. So, at, at, uh, trying to get a ride on it before that point is uh, it's a good yeah. Plan. Well, they just recently like rebuilt a ton of it, so oh, really? it's like cool. safe for the foreseeable future until we come up on the next rebuild um so like hit it in the next 30 years yes good uh perfect oh you're right it is the perfect spot to end that's a it's a nice uh it is it is a nice arc and i suppose it brings us kind of to the next kind of the the, the question that we posed at the start and and have we successfully answered it which is like you know personal rapid transit is it just cars well what a lot of them yeah. kind of <laughs> like but i think it's interesting the ones that have been built and like or the ones that are the most built are the least like cars yeah like skybus and like all the airport people movers are like more akin to like you said like horizontal elevators yeah 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 um so yeah they, they become people mover systems they pick up you know we often forget about cable cars as a system for for transit but they're they're kind of like cable cars but without the cable you know without the you know, without the elevated kind of um, uh, pylons. You know, th- these are kind of horizontal people mover type systems, which is fine. There's definitely a place for them. Airports, clearly uh, one of them. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, it is very interesting that the ones that succeed are the ones that are most, that are erring on the mass, tra- towards like mass transit rather than towards what you might call a personal rapid transit system. Yeah. And even like the PRT, which is like, it's on rubber tires and like it's self-guided versus like, it doesn't have like any sort of like rail that keeps it in place. Like for the most part, it runs on like a fixed schedule Mm. and a fixed loop. Like there is like a demand mode that it has, but it doesn't run in demand. Interesting. So it's not, it's not demand responsive. It's just, it's, it's, it's sort of a clock face. 
So it just sort of yeah. runs in a set schedule. Ah, I see. Peak hours, I believe it's always in like a scheduled loop. And yeah. then like in like the very off peak, like you can do a demand mode. And does it just have little like teardrops at each end for it to just go around in a little circle and kind of run back on itself? Is that yeah, it has like really complex um, routing because like it uses a lot of like offline systems. Offline systems are like a big part of PRTs. Um, so you can bypass stations. There's like a lot of really yeah. complex switching and loops um, oh, okay, okay. to move them around. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, at some point, Rail Natter will go to Morgantown and we'll ride on the system and it'd be fun it'd be great if you could join us as the guide at yeah. some point there will be a there'll be a rail nat, rail nat goes to the u.s and we'll uh, we'll explore uh, morgantown on the prt that'd be awesome alexandra that has been absolutely brilliant thanks so much if you've got questions folks send them in now make sure you at my name so that it shows up in red in the in the youtube chat and we'll um we'll come back to just at the end i'll do my usual outro and then we'll um we'll uh we'll come back to to me and alexandra at the end and we'll answer some questions but Without further ado, I'm going to hide our faces and do my do my usual quick outro stuff. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening in audio only form. Again, this is it's it's a visual podcast. I don't know how it works in audio only form, but for the three or four hundred people who listen to this every week on audio only form, hi, I'm waving at you. Um, uh, yeah, usual platforms for podcasting. That's fine. Uh, patreoncom slash Dennis for the Patreon stuff to support this, make more of it happen. Mascot.co.uk slash collection slash railnatter is where you can get merchandise. There's merchandise. I don't know why there's merchandise, but there is. That it's a thing. Yes, it's very strange. PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis is where you can throw abuse and lose change at me if you so wish. And if you enjoyed being in the chat, and the chat really has gone wild. People are enjoying chatting about all these systems. Hello, everyone in the YouTube chat. If you want more of that, then you can go to the Discord uh, server at uh, garethdennis.co.uk slash Discord. Oh, um, before I uh, tease next week's episode, uh, first of all, we have to plug Big Mood Energy uh or youtube.com slash big mood energy for uh for alexandra's uh, youtube channel there's loads of great I mean, honestly these are fantastic they're really such great little um well no they're not little they're they're quite pleasingly satisfyingly detailed and immersive on the uh on the various systems i just picked a few but there's there's quite a few episodes more than the ones i've shown here there's, there's one on light rail busways inclines metros uh the inclines one is particularly good fun i like that one a lot um and uh, yeah, all through the medium of city skylines as well. If you if you enjoy that sort of thing, uh, yeah. What anything else you want to plug, Alexandra? Any, anything else you want to um, push the big plug? I don't plug think button so. On? I think check out the YouTube channel and see what's in there. Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter. I sometimes post good transit history, interesting finds. Um, so. Hence this yeah. episode, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do that, everyone. Do that. Uh, next week's episode, um, because, and solidarity to the RMT and to everyone else who's striking, because there's a lot of there's bus, bus folks are striking around my, my neck of the woods as well at the moment. So uh, solidarity to everyone striking. And kind of on that theme, since next week is strike week, uh, Rail Nat is not on a strike day, but nonetheless, we're going to do uh, a strike episode. We're going to do a quick history of UK rail strike action. Um, which is going to be very exciting. So that's episode 119. Oh, I just realized the time. Very scary. We're going to go two big faces for your questions, everyone. We're back to, to saying, like, what are the questions? So Raphael Nikolaus is asking, have we heard of the uh, Alwegbahn uh, test train in Cologne, uh, Germany, from back in the day? Uh, no, there was a Berlin. There was a weird one in Berlin that I remember that was a bit of a gadget ban, but I don't know about the Alwegbahn. That's, uh, Alexandra, ring a bell at all? 
No, I know there were a bunch of like German systems around the same time, um, but I'm not really familiar with many of them. Yeah, that's that's one I shall be googling on my train in five minutes. Um, uh, we are. Uh, oh yeah, David Shepard. Would the tourism pull of a gadget ban justify keeping it? Uh, yeah, possibly, but I don't know. Alexander, what do you think on that? For me, it's like yes, but the, is that should we be investing in public transport for it to just be a gimmick? Like that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's like limited dollars out there. Um, so, you know, I think efficacy is should be the top priority. There's only so many engineers and 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 not just engineers, but all the people that facilitate projects like that happening, like all the pe- like the bandwidth of, of, of civil servants and, st- and, and stuff like you can only build so much. It's not, you know, it's not the explicit cash, but it's like how many engineers there are, how many civil servants, how many legal people there are. You know, these are all limited resources. And, and so doing stuff on like PRT when you could be doing it on like a bus or a metro or a tram, um, maybe not the best. Yeah. Uh, Gareth Williams. Uh, hello. Hello, Gareth. Oh, yeah. The M-Bahn is the one I'm talking about in Berlin. Yeah, it was it became redundant pretty much immediately because of the fall of the wall. Yeah, that's true. Um, excellent. Oh, yeah. Lots of. Uh, oh, thanks. Oh, here is a creature. Uh, uh, twen- 22. Creature 22. It's in Roman numerals and I can't read Roman numerals very quickly. Question. Hello there. On your gadget band scale from OK to rubbish, how would you rank the Disneyland parking lot tram, which is basically a road train pulled by a modified tractor? I can't be too mean about that. Alexander, I'll pass over to you on that one. But I can't be too mean about that because the National Railway Museum here in York has a little train that's pulled by like a van that's got a train plastic thing sellotaped to the top of it. So uh, we can't be too mean about road trains like that. Uh, yeah, I think road trains are actually like, they, they do their job quite well, yeah. um, you know, where it's like financially infeasible to install tracks. Like they make a lot of sense. Like you've already got a roadway and you can move quite a large amount of people in one trip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they're, they're they are quite so. I, yeah, less on the gadget. Okay, on the gadget band scale. Yeah, uh, someone else did like a gadget band, like uh, oh, what's the you know the the the, the scale the two what's it, the Dungeons and Dragons sort of thing where you like and it's like the chaos like chaos versus you know, neutral evil chaotic evil for, for gadget bands, which is quite good. I was trying to find it for this episode. I could not find it for the life of me. That's very funny. Everyone in the chat, go and Google it. Right, given that it's ten past and I have five minutes to pack yes. and uh, and run for a train, uh, which is half an hour away in, in the centre of York. Um, Alexandra, I've, we have to do another one of these. It's been so much fun. Yeah, um, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, there, there, it feels like there are me. more stories to tell on this front, certainly. Um, and uh, yeah, I, so uh, go go follow Alexander on Twitter. Subscribe to uh, to, uh, to the YouTubes, all of our YouTubes, um, and we'll see you all next week. Alexandra, just absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, cheers, cheers, everyone. Cheerio now. Bye bye. Bye. Cheerio.